What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. As you guys know, I'm Tyler, and back with me today in the Vivid Seat Studio for part one of our week six mailbag is my coach, Charlie. And Charlie, look, I I know you love your Georgia football, that's without question, but I also know that since you go to all of the games, home and away, it's been years now, I can't remember the last time you haven't gone to a game, but you also really value your bye weeks because of that. Because you get, let's be real, you get exhausted, right? I know you, you say this all the time, I'm exhausted. I know, I probably use that word too much, but I think people probably do in general these days. But yes, it was very nice to have a Saturday to just get some things done around the house and then lay around and actually watch some football. Did you watch as much football as you do on any given regular Saturday? I probably watched more because I was able to sit in front of the television. That actually always happens to me. Without that's, distractions. That's, that's actually why I enjoy bye weeks is because, first off, there's no stress. Even if we're playing Vanderbilt, I'm still stressed out going to every game. So there's no stress on me. So that right there makes it better. And then also I get to sit down and just watch all sorts of games. Uh, because when we're playing, like for three, four hours, there's a stretch. I'm not watching any other games. I try to record them and watch them later on, but you'll find out what the score is, and it's annoying. But you just get to watch football all day Saturday, so it's great, right? So you don't have to worry about finding out the other scores from the people that are sitting around you. Yeah, you don't have to wear headphones, listen to music during the TV timeouts because people are talking about the game that you want to watch when you get home. So yes, that, that's you don't have to be a crazy person. And Ty- yeah, Tyler is the guy in the stands with his fingers in his ears during <laughs> TV timeouts at. Sanford Stadium or away games, rocking back and forth. And then well, Sanford Stadium, I just get them walk out and go. And then cursing yeah. under his breath when he accidentally overhears someone commenting on some big game and the current score. Like the so, Auburn Oregon game in week one when we were in Nashville? If you see an adult male <laughs> rocking back and forth and then cursing with his fingers in his ears, you have spotted Tyler. Yeah, that's, and guys, that's actually a true story. So. Guilty as charged. Yeah, I am I am a strange person. Anyway, uh, we were getting a lot of questions and comments during the games yesterday, and I do actually want to quickly apologize to everyone out there that did comment or send us a question during the day yesterday because I wasn't really responding to all of those in real time. I promise you it was nothing personal. Uh, as Charlie just laid out for you, I am very strange when it comes to college football because I want to see as many of these games as I can without them getting spoiled. So like, I DVR games so that I can fast-forward through the commercials and watch more games throughout the day. I don't want to just watch like one game at noon, one game at 3.30, and one game at night. I want to watch like eight or nine games. So that's kind of how I do it. I was parked in front of my TV all day yesterday, but I was watching different games at different times. So I kind of go on a social media blackout so that nothing gets spoiled. But wait, how many naps did you take during all of that? Actually, I, okay, I, I was so close. I love a nap. I love a good nap, right? So I uh, was like, I'm. Ta- you can't see my fingers here because this is a podcast. But this is not a video. I, I'm. I'm. I'm talking about like I'm this close. Like my fingers are this close together to falling asleep, which I was. And I ran 12 miles on Saturday morning before all the okay. games because no humble bragging. I'm not humble. I'm not humble. I was. I'm not a great runner. I just. I happened to run. I'm training for the Athens half, and it happened. I worked out my training schedule so where my long run was the bye week, so I don't have to worry about getting up and getting ready for a game and all that kind of thing. So I was exhausted. There's that word again. I know you love that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was very close to taking a nap, but my, my wonderful, amazing, beautiful wife, who is the greatest person on earth, um, like, as I was falling, like, like I, I, I was, I was not dozing, I, I was, like, in the, the grips of sleep, and then she started talking about something with her sister texted her or something, and I was like, oh my god, it's over. And then when that moment passes, then... 
then it's gone and I can't get it back. So I actually got no naps. Poor pitiful you. It was actually terrible, but it was still great regardless. Anyway, now I don't even know where I was. Uh, But yeah, so anyway, like I was, I was parked in front of my TV trying to take a nap, but didn't actually happen. But watching different games, different times. um, But I, I promise you, if you if you sent me something, I wasn't trying to ignore anybody. Long story short, uh, I was just being the weird person I am and trying to watch as much college football as I could. But anyway, enough of that. Uh, we got a lot of questions yesterday and even more today, and I'm sure we're going to get even more tomorrow. If you haven't sent in your question or comment yet, no worries. There's still time. Curtis and I will be recording part two of this week's mailbag tomorrow evening, which is Monday evening. So if you get a question in before then, we will absolutely include it on the show. So plenty of time to get those in. But all right, let's pop open this mailbag, part one of this mailbag. Charlie, what do you got for me? All right, first up, Ben is asking, who is the better quarterback, Jake Fromm or Justin Fields? Ben thinks that athletically, Justin Fields is better. However, if you take his athleticism away, Jake Fromm is far superior in his opinion. What do you think? All right, so there's a lot of, you know, obviously Nebraska got murdered by Ohio State yesterday, which, I mean, I don't want to say it was predictable that they would get that badly beaten, but I was not surprised at all that Ohio State took it to them because, guys, Nebraska is just not that good. Um, we talked about this on the on the pick show. Nebraska guy they got outgained at home by South Alabama. They had to scramble late to beat an Illinois team last week that lost to Eastern Michigan the week before. So they're just not that good. But look, regardless, I, I don't. But there's a lot of people out there after that game against Nebraska. You know, Justin Fields had a good game. Because Justin Fields has been good all year. That are now you know jumping on the bandwagon. Justin Fields, Heisman, he's better than Jake Fromm. What was Georgia doing? Dan Walken was kind of stoking those flames. And we have a question about him later on. I think right. Yeah. Dan, yeah. So I don't hold off on my thoughts about Dan Walken for a minute, uh, for a few minutes. But um, yeah, the people out there are, are, are stoking those flames, and, and it, of course, people overreact to what they see. But let, let me just start off by saying this: Justin Fields is a good football player, guys. I'm not here to denigrate Justin Fields. I'm not here to bash the guy. He is a very talented, very good football player, and he just so happens to be a perfect fit for Ryan Day's high state offense. He's an, he's an absolute perfect fit. Um, ben, you're right. If you if you Justin Fields obviously is a better athlete. There's no doubt about that. I mean, like a blind person could just, they could tell you that. And they can't even see because they're blind, right? Because <laughs> that's the point of being blind. Well, I'm an idiot. Uh, anyway, it's like... Tangent. Well, I, yeah, sorry. I just lost my train of thought there for a second. But uh, yeah, Justin Fields obviously is the better athlete. But playing quarterback is more than just being an athlete. I think you're right, Ben, in saying that in basically every other aspect of the game. Well... I, will, I, I do think that Justin Fields has a more live arm than Jake Fromm. Fromm gets way too much crap for not having a strong arm, which is ridiculous. The guy makes every throw you, that you need to be able to make. He'll make the deep out from the far hash. I mean, he's got his arm is plenty good enough to make every single throw you need to make. And it, I think that's one thing that's just so overstated by people that aren't really high on Jake Fromm for whatever reason. But Justin Fields, I do think, has a better arm, and he's a better overall athlete. Physically, from a physical makeup standpoint, Justin Fields is the, is the superior athlete. But in the other aspects of being a quarterback, what you have to do in the film room, what you do understanding coverages and defenses and getting and, and just being the, 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 the leader, the commander-in-chief out there, I do agree with you, Ben, that Jake Fromm is the far superior quarterback in that regard. Um, and last year, we, we saw it first, firsthand. You know, Justin Fields, we saw the athleticism. He made some plays for us. But at least last year, he was not ready to do the things that quarterbacks in our offense have to do for our offense to function successfully. He just wasn't ready to do that. He was a one, and we've said this so many times, but I'll just say it again. Like He was a one-read, take-off-and-run guy, and he's kind of like that with Ohio State still right now. But the thing is, that's what Ohio State's offense is. That's why he fits that offense. Now, he can certainly diagnose defenses better than he did last year. You can see that when you watch him closely. 
but he's still like a one ring, let's take off and make something happen guy. Because and that's what his skill set is. He should be doing that. That's what he brings to the table. And, and like I said, that's that's what Ohio State's offense basically is. And so therefore, when you put a guy like, like you plug a guy like Justin Fields in that offense, he's going to put up big time numbers. He he's a, he's a really good quarterback, guys. Justin Fields. I told you last year when he when he committed to Ohio State after he went to the transfer portal that he was going to be really good in that offense. And he might even be a Heisman candidate, eventually win a Heisman trophy. But that doesn't mean that if he was with our offense. Uh, I mean, I just doesn't mean that you take away what Jake Fromm brings to our offense. Does that make sense, Charlie? Yes. All right. So, yeah, I guess that's my long-winded answer to that question. Well, but would our offense be better this year with Justin Fields at quarterback instead of Jake Fromm? Our offense? Yeah. The Georgia football offense, the Kirby Smart offense. Uh, yeah. Justin Fields, he's not equipped to run that offense. I agree. Uh, it, now, if you put, like, let's say we hired Ryan Day to be our offensive coordinator, then, yeah, then Justin Fields would be a better fit for that offense. I mean, I would say Jake Fromm would not be doing the things in the Ryan Day offense Ohio State that Justin Fields is doing. because no, it's not. It's not built to play up to Fromm's strengths. No. I, however, our offense is a different offense, and it is built to play up to Fromm's strengths. Fromm is the perfect fit for our offense. Justin Fields... Is not. I'm not saying Justin Fields can't be that. I'm not saying this guy can't ever learn how to diagnose defenses. I'm not saying that he can't uh, learn to go through progressions more consistently. I'm not saying he can never do that. I'm just saying this year he would not be where Jake Fromm is right now. And I think it'd be a repeat of. I mean, would it be more? Would it have been more of a competition? Would Justin Fields have gotten closer to being able to do those things than what he was last year? Absolutely. But I still think Jake Fromm is better in that regard right now. Do you prefer to watch an offense like Georgia or like Ohio State? I prefer to win. Um, okay, that's not what I asked. To what? But like, I don't like. Does what? What I prefer to watch? I don't. I'm not coming down to Harvard. Is that like that's that's irrelevant to me? Like, I want to. I I prefer to win. Okay, but if you're not talking about Georgia. What would you prefer so to watch? So, would I prefer to watch uh, Michigan State try to run an offense or Ohio State's offense? Ohio State, for sure. I'll give you that. It's more okay. it's more entertaining. It's more fun. Sure, but I, again, I, and Ohio State's winning right now, too. Like, And I've said this many times. There are more than one... I said, God, I, hate, I can't believe I'm saying this. I was like an old man because I am an old man. There are more than one way to skin a cat, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Mental I, image. I, uh. I went there. Like, you can win with the spread offense that Ohio State runs, that Ryan Day runs. You can win with the offensive scheme that we run. It's all about execution and being efficient in what you do and having the right guys to fit your system. Justin Fields, as talented he is, was not the right guy to run our system right now. Maybe in, in, if, he w- if he waited until he, was a jun- uh, until he was a junior and from left, maybe he would have been ready. But he wasn't ready last year. I don't know if he'd been ready this year. He'd been closer to ready this year, but he wouldn't have been ready. And then from putting him in an Ohio State's offensive system, they wouldn't be winning as much as they are with Justin Fields because, again, you have to have the right personnel to fit your scheme. It's like Auburn, right? With Jarrett Sim, who's now like the backup for the, pa- the Patriots, trade away Hoyer. So Jarrett Sim would be their backup quarterback. I know you don't even care about the NFL. You're like no. looking at me like I'm Boring. like I have 19 heads on my on my shoulders right now. But uh, but Jarrett Sim is an NFL quarterback. Not a starter right now, but he's an NFL quarterback. But with Auburn's offense, he was completely out of a fish out of water. You put Bo Nix in there, who can't do a lot of things that Jarrett Sim was able to do is from a passing perspective and reading defenses, but he fits what Gus Malzahn wants to do. You gotta have that fit. You gotta have the personnel and the scheme fit, and then you also gotta execute. So I think you can win with either offensive scheme. Is Ohio State's maybe a little bit more entertaining when they're you know scoring fifty points a game? Sure, but they're also doing that against inferior competition. Let's see what Ohio State does when they actually play a, a defense with a pulse. So they haven't done that yet. Yeah. I'm not saying that Justin Fields isn't really good. He is. But he also hasn't played any defense with a pulse to this point. Got it. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Cliff, next up, Cliff says, Part of him wants UGA to win it all just to shut up the Jake from haters. Unfortunately, some so-called UGA fans who don't know football are in, lo- are in love with someone not to be named. Thoughts? Uh, well, I think... I'm glad you include this question with the Justin Fields uh, question because I think that someone not to be named is pretty clearly Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, look, uh, well, Cliff, you know, Cliff, I love you, man, uh, and and trust me, I'm with you on this. I I'll, I would start by saying like I just wanted to win it all because I want to win it all. I'm tired of people. I'm tired of people like Dan Mullen being able to throw out random numbers for the spring game attendance dating back to our 1980 national championship. Like we've just got to get over that. Hump. We've got to win another one. I like my life would probably be complete. I think like the good Lord could just take me when that happened. I mean, lock on wood. I really don't actually mean that, but like, okay, I, I, tell your wife that. it would it would it would be amazing. Um, yeah, no, I'm a terrible person, but so I just want to win it to win it. Like, God, I just want one so badly. But like a nice um, a, a nice side effect of that would be that yeah, we would get to like after I like enjoy the moment and, and do all the celebrating, then I would get on Twitter and like everyone who's ever criticized Jake Fromm and said that he can't get it done and he's terrible, then I would just like go crazy on them. Um, not crazy on them, but I would just, I might just put like a smiley face or something. Just to let them know, just to let them know that I remember what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God, yeah, I just want to win one, but it, it would feel good. Um, for all the people who do hate, hate on Jake from for not being for whatever he's not. And there's a lot of things that Jake's not like, we know he's not the greatest athlete. We know that, that he's not the tallest guy. And he, I think, like I said, I think he has a like, plenty good enough arm. That it's not the strongest. Like physically he doesn't have the makeup of some of these other guys, but man, Jake from is just so, so good. And like, I, I, I don't want to say he's underrated because I think most people, most people who really know football, value him as like a top five quarterback, top three quarterback nationally, a guy that could be in a, fir- a first round draft pick, people who really understand the game. But there are some people out there for whatever reason, and I can't quite understand it. Uh, I'm not saying Jake Fromm's the best quarterback ever. I'm not saying he should be in the Heisman conversation. He shouldn't be in the Heisman conversation. He's not the best quarterback ever. But man, he is damn good, and he gives us a chance to win each and every time we take the field. So yeah, I, it, it would feel good on all counts, but certainly feel good for Jake to kind of be able to shut some people up. All right. Next, Mean Machine asks, does Notre Dame's victory this weekend change your opinion of our win over them in any way? That's a good question. I, uh, Mean Machine, appreciate the question, man. I, and I think it might change some people's opinions who maybe weren't as high on us after following that game, after that victory, uh, and felt like maybe we weren't as good as, as people were saying we were coming into the season. But if you guys listened to the show last week, I mean, I told you, I thought Notre Dame was a good football team. And I'm not surprised at all that they went out and beat Virginia. I mean, I in our pick show last week, I only, not only picked them to to beat Virginia, I picked I think, what was the spread nine and a half, Charlie, something like that. Yeah, I know your memory is terrible, but uh, yeah. nine nine and a half, and they covered that. I wasn't surprised. And there were some moments, and they were down at the half there. Uh, and trust me, I'm actually I, I told you guys last week, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. The rest of the way, so I was not happy that they were losing at the half. But I still felt like they were the better team watching that entire first half. And, of course, second half played out that way. And they really controlled that entire second half and were able to uh, get away with a, a two-touchdown victory. So it didn't really change my opinion of our win in any way because I, I felt good about the win. I know we didn't blow them out. Of course, we all would love to blow them out. But that was a top-ten team, guys. 
That was a top 10 team, and we beat them at home. And we controlled that second half last week, and it should have been more than a six-point win. There's a, a play here, a play there, where it could have been a 17-point victory. But we didn't make those plays. And I think in the future, moving forward, as we continue to get better as a football team, we're going to make those plays. And uh, you know, if we played that game, it's kind of like you know I mentioned last week. In 2017, when we played Notre Dame, Like we, we won that game, was it 20-19? Up in South Bend, something like that. It was yeah. a one-point victory, right? I think if we would have played Notre Dame in the college football playoff that year, we would have beaten them by three touchdowns. We got that much better the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And I th- I'm not going to say we're going to improve that drastically this year, but I think I mean, if you look at Kirby Smart's four years here, every year, even, even the first year, we got better as the season went on. Remember that first year we, we beat Auburn in, in that big game uh, late yeah. in that season? Uh, so, I mean, we, we, that's one thing. Say what you want about Kirby. I know people criticize the in-game play calling and decision making, which I again is something I think is a little bit overstated. He's not perfect in that regard, but that fourth and one call, I think it proved to be the right call. Uh, but our teams get better under Kirby Smart. As the season goes on, we coach our guys up, we get better, we improve. And uh, yeah, so I, I actually think this team, um, this Notre Dame team is pretty good, so I didn't really change my opinion whatsoever. All right, one a follow-up question with that. After the game last week, you said you thought that no, this Notre Dame team would end up eleven and one or ten and two at the end of the season. Do you still feel that way? Or yeah. Your mind? Well, I mean, I thought Notre, I thought honestly Virginia was probably their toughest game the rest of the way. I know you, they got USC on the schedule, but they got USC at home, and USC might still be with a third string quarterback. I mean, who knows with concussions, concussion protocol, but it's still going to be a backup quarterback. I mean, JT Daniels is done for the year. So I, I and I, I think Virginia is a really good football team, guys. I know they're not flashy, like they're less explosive than we are offensively. If you watch them, I've watched a lot of Virginia games this year for whatever reason. I just keep watching them, keep finding my way to their games. Um, and the, but they are a good, well-coached, hard-nosed football team. It might not be explosive, but that's a really good football team. And you saw them in the first half yesterday. Uh, so I, I think that might have been the toughest game the rest of the way in their schedule. They got USC could be a tough one. Um, they've got, I mean, Stanford's not good this year. They got to go to Stanford at the end of the year, but Stanford's not that good. Uh, Virginia Tech is not good. I mean, Duke plastered them on Friday, and they got to play. They got to play Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech is not the same Virginia Tech program. Justin Fuente might get fired. So, yeah, I mean, I think ten and two right now. If you look at the schedule the rest of the way for that Notre Dame team, I don't see any way they lose three games. I think ten and two at worst. Um, and I, I right now, I'd probably put a fifty-fifty shot on them, end up eleven and one. Up next, Drill Dog. With so many good teams at the top this year, how important is how we beat teams going to be for the remainder of the season? You know, Drill Dog, is a great question, man. I appreciate it. I I wish this was not how college football is structured. It's less so now because you have four teams get access to the playoff instead of just two. But college football is still very much a beauty contest. And to beat teams badly, to beat them soundly, especially in big moments, that's how you look beautiful to all those voters out there. So I think absolutely that is something that we are going to have to consider moving forward. And it's one thing I will say that frustrates me me about Kirby Smart. Sometimes I think at the end of games, he has so much respect for his colleagues that he doesn't want to run the score up on you. Like in South Carolina last year, for example. I right? agree, I agree. Like we could have beat South Carolina 60-14 to 14 last year if we really wanted to. I mean, we took Fromm out with half the third quarter left in that game, essentially. But he didn't want to do that because Muschamp's his boy. Well, and unfortunately, our team suffers in the media and the perspective of... When we don't blow a team out. Yeah, because we are not doing that, whereas Alabama does, Clemson does. Right. They're winning by right. 50. Well, not as much Clemson know? this year. Well, huh, that's yeah. a whole other segment. Well, I mean, and it's like, 
and I, but I, it, it's such like I don't get it sometimes. It's, it's all about per, it's all about perception. Like I talked about Auburn a little bit last week. I know Auburn had a huge victory against Mississippi State. They blew them out. Mississippi State's not very good. But that was the first time they blew anybody out this year. Really, I mean they, they had to beat A and M. They got credit for beating A and M. But how good is A and M? We watched. I watched that Arkansas Texas A and M game. Arkansas just lost to to San Jose State two weeks ago, or last week or whatever. Yeah. And they and they should have won. They could very easily could have won. I can't say should have, but very easily could have won that game. They had opportunities. They don't throw an interception in the first half, like in the end zone. They could win that football game. And the, but Auburn goes in A&M, and yeah, it's a nice win, a nice road win, sure, but they win by eight points, get out game by over 100 yards. But the perception of Auburn coming out of that game and the perception of Georgia coming out of a victory over a top-10 team in Notre Dame was totally different. Wow, Auburn, man, they're, they're really good. They're like a legit top-10 team. And then people are questioning, was Georgia really a, a, a national title contender? I'm like, what are you talking about, people? But it is all about, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But it is a beauty contest. That's what college football is, and you got to blow people out. And, and you see a team like Alabama, I mean, Ole Miss ran for 275 yards then last week, or, or, or this week against Ole Miss, yeah. or in that in that game there, that CBS game. They, Ole Miss put up 31 points. That wasn't garbage time points. Like, Ole Miss was scoring points on them in that game. LSU, same thing against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was scoring points. So, I mean, it, it's, it is all about scoring points. Like It seems like people, like, you, as long as you score 60, it doesn't matter if you give up 30 to somebody. Like, they just don't care. They just want to see yeah, the Yeah, I don't get that logic. They just want, it's because most people who vote on these things, the, they the, check the box. Score. They check the box. Score. They don't watch all these games. They look at the box score. Oh, well, they score 60 points. And they're like, they're just mystified. They're just so mesmerized, not mystified, mesmerized is the right word, by high point totals. Like, they just don't, I think a lot of people who vote in, in the AP polls, they just don't really understand football. So, I mean, that's a surface level understanding of football is what I would say. So when the team puts up mega points, then they just go crazy about that. And all of a sudden, that team is really good, even though they might have given up 30 points. So I, I think that style of football, in that it's more, like you mentioned earlier, it's a little bit more exciting. I think that's what catches people's attention. And teams like Georgia, who who dominate games just as much as those teams, if not more, but do it in a, in a way they slow down the pace of the game. They don't score as many points. And... And the game might look a little tighter early in the game, and we kind of just out physical teams and wear them down late in the game, and then we kind of take over. That does it's not as as sexy of a way to play football, and it doesn't catch the eyes of all those voters as much. So I do think it's a beauty contest, and I and I think that we have got to pay attention to that. And Kirby's just, I, I, it, it sucks that we have to do this, but you got to run the score up on people. Yeah. Like if we get a chance to it in Knoxville. We need to run the score up on them. If we get a chance against Muschamp, he's not going to do that to Jeremy Pruitt. Oh, he, he doesn't like him and Jeremy Pruitt do not. Yeah, he's still not going. He, to they do not guys, get along. So don't they don't. He had a chance to keep Jeremy Pruitt on staff when he came here and well, chose not to. I understand that, but I still don't think. That but we we just and, and he's got to get like I know he's like well if I was in that situation, well, hopefully we'll never be in that situation. Like I get and so not you being a nice guy, respectful colleague. You know, props to you, Kirby, but like. Your job is to get us in the college football playoff. And like right now, you look at like, is there an alpha team in college football, Charlie? It ain't Clemson. Well, it's not Clemson. Yes, it's not. But like there's a couple of teams there. And it's like, well, there could be, you know, at the end of the year, could there be a, you know, four or five teams and one loss? Then it's going to come down to the, the beauty contest, right? It's going to get ugly. It's going to come down to the beauty contest. So I think you're on to something here, Drill Dog, and we've got to just start. I mean, God, I hate this. Like, we just can't, we're in this situation where we just can't be satisfied with victories. We've got to be, you know, if we beat a team, we beat them by less than 14 points, when everyone expects to blow them out. Or if we don't cover the spread, then all of a sudden, like, man, it's like, do we really actually win that game? It's it's ridiculous. But that's what college football is right now because even though it's better than it used to be with the BCS, we still only have a 14 playoff. And before we get to our next question, I do just want to quickly remind everyone out there that if you're still in the market for tickets for this Saturday's game in Knoxville or any other game the rest of the season, 
Vivid Seats is the place to go. And if you are a new customer using their mobile app, the Vivid Seats mobile app, you can get up to $100 off. That is hard to beat, guys. So Vivid Seats is a no-brainer. I just picked up a pair of Florida tickets for my in-laws this past weekend, and it was a quick, easy process. Got a great price, saved some cash, and it was a great experience all the way around. So check out Vivid Seats for all your ticket needs. All right. Next, Jesse has a two-part question. Thank you, Jesse. What are your thoughts on the whole Zach Evans saga? And if he goes somewhere else, either by his choice or ours, who's next on your board? Yeah, so Zach Evans got some it's a recruiting question. We have a couple of recruiting questions here today. This is the first one. So you guys know Zach Evans. Uh, he's the number one running back in the country. He was a top, essentially a consensus top five, top ten prospect nationally out of Texas. And um, he's been... Rumored to be very high on us, but we're, we're right there in this thing. For the longest time, I thought AM was going to be the landing spot. Then you get some word uh, in August that he might be close to committing, and it actually looks like we're, we've taken the lead. But there's been some issues uh, at his high school, and we don't. And I, I don't want to disparage the guy because I don't exactly know what the issues are. I don't think anyone really knows. We just know that there was some sort of conflict between him and his coach, it seems like, and he didn't play for like two or three games. And he wasn't necessarily with the team in those games. He's now back on the team, back playing. But there, and I'm not. I'm not going to throw out character issue because I don't know. We just don't know what the situation was. But there is at least there was at least a situation there that has to be considered. And anytime you have a situation, quote unquote situation, it's something that you know you had to you had to take into account when you're deciding should we take this guy. Now, when it's a guy as talented as, as Zach Evans is at the running back position, especially when we put such a premium on running backs like we do in our style of offense. You got to weigh okay his talent versus the potential headache. If 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 that's even a, a a problem right now, is he really a headache? We don't know, but there seems to be some sort of situation going on there. So if and he also he did not come here for the Notre Dame game. We tried to get him in town. And he didn't. He didn't make it. I think he ended up in actually was at Texas A&M for that game against Auburn. Actually glad he got to see that loss and see them almost lose to a terrible Arkansas team. Uh, this week, but man, like, th- th- you're right. It is a saga right now, and I don't know how this is going to end. Even if he decides to commit somewhere in the next weeks, like tomorrow, I don't think this will be over until signing day. I, I think he wants to be an early, or an early commit, not early commit, an early signee in that early signing period. So I mean, if if we end up landing him before December, we're gonna have to fight hard to hold on to him. If he commits somewhere else, the story is not over. So it's definitely a saga. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I would love to have the guy just based on his talent alone, but there is a there is a possibility that he goes somewhere else. You're exactly right, Jesse. And if he does go somewhere else, either by cho- his choice or ours, just saying, you know what, dude, we've done some investigating into this and we just don't feel like it's a great fit, which is a possibility. Kirby's done that before. Kirby's very big about the, on the types of guys he brings into his program. Brenton Cox, example number one, right there, uh, and Kirby can learn that. Hopefully, learn that lesson there. But who's next on my board? I, I think you got to go with Tank Bigsby, the guy that's he. You know, he was high on us, but basically, he committed to Auburn. And essentially, from everything I understand, is we just weren't ready to accept his commitment because we were, we already have one running back in Kendall Milton, and Zach Evans is the next highest guy on our board. So when Tank was trying to commit early, we we're saying, look, we'd love to have you, but right now we're not ready to accept your commitment because we have a few guys a little higher on our board. That's a tough thing to tell a kid, but uh, from what I understand, he was actually in town on an unofficial visit for the Notre Dame game. So I think he's still receptive. Um, obviously, he's he, he's from Callaway. He's from here in Georgia. He's a Georgia guy, Georgia kid. So I think there's still a possibility that we could get back in it with Tank Bigsby. So that's one guy that I would certainly look at. Another guy who hasn't been mentioned as 
prominently with us, but he's still a good back in his own right. I think he's a top 120 prospect, top 125 according to the 247 composite. It's a guy out of Dallas named EJ Smith. We're really trying to mine that Dallas area, really Texas at large. And I think he's a guy that I would at least keep my eye on because if we can't flip, let's say if Evans doesn't end up here for whatever reason, we can't flip Tank from Auburn because you know he's got his feelings hurt because we didn't take him when he was ready to commit and we were holding out for Zach Evans, which is possible. Uh, EJ Smith's a guy that I would certainly keep my eye on. He's a really, really good running back as well. So just a couple of names there for you. All right. Next up, Phillip says, John Rice Plumley is looking good for Ole Miss. Did we make the right decision not taking him in last year's signing class? Yeah, that's a that was a really tough decision when it happened, and I I really wanted to take Plumley. So if you guys aren't familiar with how that went down, he committed to us back in like I think the summer of 2017. I was actually in Cabo when he committed to us. I remember coming back from the beach before dinner one night and looking at my phone. I was like, oh, cool, this is awesome. Um, and he's a baseball player too. He's actually going to play baseball for Ole Miss, and uh, he, he's a really good athlete. Not a, a big dude. But man, he God, he runs hard. I was watching some of that game against Alabama, and that guy just runs hard. And I would love to have him on our team. And we asked him to take a gray shirt. And the reason we ended up taking Dwan Mathis and over Plumley, even though Plumley had been committed to us, it was a tough decision. One of those things that you hate doing in recruiting. But with our quarterback situation, we needed to have a quarterback that would come in as an early enrollee. And Plumley is a big time baseball player, and it was not going to be an early enrollee because he wanted to play his senior season of baseball in high school. So he was not going to come into the summer. And we did not feel comfortable with that situation because we basically had Jake Fromm, Stetson Bennett, and and who? Uh, if, if, we would have, if we would have taken Plumlee over Dwan Mathis in the spring, we would have had two quarterbacks. That's, mm-hmm. that's all we would have had. Yeah. So two scholarship quarterbacks. So we really felt like we needed to have a another quarterback that was here to come in, in the spring. And Dwan Mathis kind of fit that bill more than Plumlee. And the reason, and we still wanted Plumlee because we I mean, we would not have offered him a gray shirt if we, and we would have stopped recruiting him if we didn't still want the kid. We wanted him. We were, and this guy would have been a good player for us. But it was just a circumstance. Uh, it was just a situation where, with the circumstances of Justin Fields going in the transfer portal, transferring out. And and the the, num- the number situation at quarterback, we had to have a guy in here for the spring. And unfortunately, that wasn't John Reese Plumley, but uh, or John Rice Plumley. I always thought it was Reese John Rice Plumley. All right, I'm gonna I gotta follow up for you, Philip's question. Who do you think is the best player, Dewan Mathis or Plumley? Better between those two? Yeah. Man, it's hard to say because we haven't seen much of Dewan. I mean, we saw him during G Day for a little bit. He looked really athletic. And he looked like he had a good, solid arm as well. Plumlee, I loved. I loved watching him in Alabama. Now, he didn't do much in the passing game, but I love what Rich Rod's uh, his game plan coming into that game was. Look, where's Alabama's defense weakest? Right up the gut right now. With those two freshman linebackers, they've had some injuries on the defensive line, and more and more than not, they actually had twice as many carries as either running back in that game. And Plumlee was running hard, physical. So I really liked what I saw from him, but I haven't seen that much from him as a passer, and I haven't seen really anything from Dwan Mathis. So I know this is a kind of a cop-out, and I, I hate to cop out here, but I think it was just such a small sample size and essentially no sample size with Mathis. I will say Mathis has a better physical upside. I think Mathis is the higher upside physically. I think his, pro- physically, his physical profile is a little bit better than what Plumlee brings to the table. I think they're both going to be good players, If and, but with Mathis, like it's unfortunate. We don't ever know if he's, I mean, with his brain situation... Is he ever going to really be able to be cleared again? I don't know the answer to that, but I think Certainly if he gets, I hope so. oh, obviously, I hope so. I'm rooting for the guy, but if he gets cleared and gets healthy, I think I'll, I'll at least say this: I think his ceiling is higher than Plumlee's. But they're both good players. All right, Jamie asks, "Do you think Dog Nation will take over yet another opponent's home stadium like this week, as in Knoxville?" 
it didn't specify. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm gonna take this question. I'm gonna interpret it as as Knoxville, right? Uh, That's a big place to it's fill. A bi- well, we're not going to fill it, but it's not a long drive. You actually like that trip. I like that trip. Uh, yeah, really okay, you always do. say this is like your favorite trip. And, and Knoxville, because I think some people don't, wouldn't understand this because Knoxville, I mean, on any other, if it's not a football weekend, Knoxville is not a great town. Objectively. Objectively I, not a great town. I wouldn't want to live there, but I also live in the number one college town in America. What a great but town. But for a weekend of football, it's a great place. I like to run on the river. Mm-hmm. They have a few good places to go, you know, for Where, dinner. What's your go-to spot for dinner? Uh, Calhoun's? Uh, yes. Yeah? Yes. And, and what do you like to eat there? <laughs> I like their barbecue potato skins. Yes. Can't it, fi- it's hard to find a good potato, potato skin America. these days. There's a problem in America right now, and that is the lack of potato skins at restaurants. It used to be on every, like, every chain restaurant appetizing uh, menu, it was on there. Yeah. You can't find them anymore. No. You cannot. But they do it right at Cummins. And now when you can find it. They actually it, ran out last year, though. You can find it with bar- barbecue. Or two years ago. You know, you, you need to get it's, them it's, all you can. Yeah. Because they are delicious. And I like to see the Vol Navy because I grew up on the lake. You're so into I like boats. to see all the boats. I could it takes me back less. to my childhood. You know, it's not the great, well, you can run on the river there. So if you're a runner, go down and run on the river where it's flat. Otherwise, you're gonna gonna kill yourself. The, the river is not that long where you can run down there. Well, you could, but you can run in the street. Okay, true. By the where the rowing center is and whatnot. But yeah, it's a good it's a good time. You like the it's stadium, short, the only, erector set stadium. It takes less than four hours to get there from Athens, which I hate driving. So yeah, you like Knoxville. Like, you like the Knoxville trip more than the Nashville trip, which uh, absolutely because you don't, don't have to go through Atlanta or Chattanooga to get there. You can go. Yeah, the traffic situation is, is is rough. Yeah, and that is a nice actually scenic way to However, get to Knoxville. With global warming, the trees will not be changing. But colors. Nashville is such a better town than Knoxville. It's not even like it's you can't you can't even compare them. Like it doesn't even deserve I a comparison. Knoxville, but over more own, than Nashville, you you're can crazy. Tweet me and let you're, me know. You how are. Wrong you've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. Anyways, do you think Dog Nation will take over? And- uh, I mean, it depends on your definition of take over. I would say I would put the number like if I, so. If I said over under fifteen thousand Georgia fans, what would you say? Mm, under. Under. I think people have gone there a lot, and so they don't really. And it's not a, it, it's not back. an early game, so it's hard to make a day trip of this, which I think that might detract some people from making the trip. Because if it was like a a three thirty game, which it has been the past couple years, you can make the day trip. You come up there that day yeah. and you go home that night. I would. I wouldn't be surprised to see about 15,000 Georgia fans. Maybe right at that that number. I mean, yeah, but (laughs) but it's all right. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know if it would be a takeover like half the stadium, but I think there could be a – I think there would be more Georgia fans than your average opposing fan in in Neyland Stadium. Say that. All right. Hollow Point. What asks, what time do you think the South Carolina game will take place and what – channel that information hasn't come out yet so no it comes out they always release that monday between 12 and 12 30 you're um, usually pretty good at guessing this so oh i i, I and guys i'm like I, again another example of me, being, of me being weird like i really look forward to monday afternoons like lunchtime so i can find out what time the game is like all day like tonight all day tomorrow morning this is sunday night i'm like on my on pins and needles waiting to find out what time that south carolina game is i, I wish hope it's not a night i wish it was like the nfl where we could just like say okay before this the season, the, the game is played get played yeah. at this time, but it does it does kind of bring some excitement. You find out what time the game is going to be played, and if you look at the schedule that week, it's I'll tell you this: it's it's hard to predict now with all the different moving parts with the TV contracts. 
and it's not just the SEC contract. It's the S- ESPN has contracts with the ACC, Big 12, all these different conferences, and it's there's a lot of moving pieces nowadays. It's not as easy as it used to be. But we're definitely not going to be a 3.30 CBS game because there's yeah, Florida and LSU and Alabama at A&M. Yeah. I would say Florida LSU probably is going to be the, the 3.30, 3.30 game. They, they might take their six-day window to see what happens in the Florida-Auburn game yeah. this week, so I don't know. But we're not going to be involved in that. That's, it's either going to be 3.30 or be Alabama A&M or Florida LSU, one of those two. And then whoever does, of those two games that doesn't get the CBS primetime spot will be ESPN primetime, 7 o'clock, right, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Now, the... the the rest of the games that week, we got Georgia and South Carolina. You got Arkansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Mississippi State, UNLV, Vanderbilt. So if I had to predict, and this is God, I don't. I mean, we'll see. This is the best guess I can give you. That's what it is. It's an educated guess. I would say UNLV, Vanderbilt ends up like on ESPNU at eight o'clock or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so then that then that leaves Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Missouri, Mississippi State, Tennessee, South Carolina, Georgia. Somebody's probably going to end up on ESPN2 at 7 or 7.30. It's not going to be us. But I think, I don't think they would want to put us up against Alabama and A&M or Florida LSU because you're spreading out the viewers there. Mm -hmm. So I would predict that ESPN would either take us at 12 o'clock, put us on ESPN, the mothership, at noon. Or if that doesn't happen, then I would say we're going to be on SEC Network primetime game of the week at 7.30. 730. So that's most of my two projections, either 12 o'clock on ESPN or 730 SEC Network. Uh, it's just hard to tell, man. You just don't know what the thinking is there. But uh, I could see a scenario where they want to put us on, since Georgia's number three in the country, the name brand there, put us on in our own window at noon as opposed to having us up against Alabama potentially at 7 o'clock. I would like that noon. But we'll see. I don't know. But I would say one of those two probably. All right. Thank you for your We'll opinion. find out very we'll shortly. We'll find out in less than 24 hours. All right, Caleb asks, who is the biggest media troll, Danny Cannell or Dan Wolken? Well, both guys are definitely trolls. I'll give you that, Caleb, 100%. To me, Danny Cannell, he just trolls the SEC. That's what he does. He he just completely trolls the SEC. And to me, like, I laugh at Danny Cannell because, like, if you listen to him, like, on the radio sometimes... He makes fun of himself for how how he trolls the SEC. I think like to him it's just it's like a big joke. Uh, so he doesn't really bother me all that much. Like, that's just what he does. That's that's who Danny Cannell is. I don't think it's a malicious thing. I think he's just trying to have fun. And, like, he basically says like I'll get on Twitter and I'll just have fun sometimes. Uh, and he's open about that. But Dan Walken, I talked about him last week. He's an absolute one hundred percent joke. I have zero respect for him. As a journalist, I just have no respect for him whatsoever. There's very little journalistic integrity there. I, I can't. I just can't get over to me. Like the trolling is one thing. That's like that's in some ways that's what you have to do as a national media member now. Is like you have to troll to get clicks. It's all clickbait. That's what. That's how you keep your job more or less. You stay relevant doing that. So when we talk about these guys right now, I shouldn't be doing it because I'm giving them what they want and they're getting clicks and now people are going to go look up Dan Wilkins. So I hate them even answering this because I don't want to give them what they want. But I cannot get over Dan Wilkins and the whole Tennessee saga. Like with him and John Curry, John Curry texting him saying, hey, I want to hire Greg Schiano. Uh, I don't know if it's going to go over that well. I need you to provide cover for me. And, and Wilkins was like, yeah, sure. I got your back. I got you covered. It's like, oh my God, like. What is happening? And maybe this happens more than I think, and I just shouldn't be surprised by this. Maybe I'm being naive, but like I just lost absolutely any respect for Dan Walken when he when that when all that information came out. For me, there's no coming back for that. Like he's just an absolute joke. So, I mean, who's the bigger troll? I don't. I mean, probably Walken right now. And I and he's like it's like malicious about. It. He's just 
He's just a jerk, man. He just comes, at least he comes, I don't know the guy personally, so I, I hate to say he is a jerk. He comes off that way, whereas Cannell kind of comes off like he's just like having a good time joking about it. So to me, I, I would say I prefer Danny Cannell a lot more than Dan Wolken. Dan Wolken gets on my nerves a lot more, for sure. All right. Last question for today. Jason asks, um, what are the updates on the injury situation right now? Well, since it was a bye week, we only had one press conference from Kirby, so we don't have a ton of new information coming out. I do have some people that are on the program a little bit more than I am, a lot more than I am, and um, get to see practice now and then and tell you, okay, he was out here doing that. He was out here working with a trainer or whatever. Uh, sounds like... D Rob, I mean the hamstring. It's kind of just off and on. It's like every day, it's it's a different story with D Rob with the hamstring. And hamstrings are like that. Like one day you'll be fine, then you tweak it a little bit because you you kind of open up and run a little too much, and then it's bothering you. I want to give D Rob a lot of credit for gutting it out in that Notre Dame game. As you see in that game, he was hobbling and he yep. he played. And he made some big catches for us in that game. It was a big third. I think it was a third down catch he made in that game across the middle. Um, but he yeah. So I, that's just it, hamstrings are tough, man. I've had a nagging hamstring at times, and it's it it can be a pain for real. So I just. I don't know. I want to believe he'll be okay with being able to rest up this week. The good news is it's not a. It's not like a an injury where you say he's he's out for a month. Yeah. It's not that. It's like he could be ready to play this week or he might not. You just don't know. So that's frustrating. But at least there's a chance he could be ready to go this week. With Tyson Campbell, it's kind of the same story with the, with the ankle. It, it sounds like it's an ankle sprain, a, a lower extremity injury is what Kirby says. <clears throat> but it seems like it's his ankle that he's been working on. Uh, I'm hopeful that he will be back, if not this weekend uh, against Tennessee, uh, next weekend South Carolina. I don't think it's a long-term deal there. It's just one of those things you got to get over. Kiaris Jackson's been doing everything. Kirby's flat out said he's been doing everything all the receivers do except catching passes because he's got a big club on his hand still with a broken finger. But that club should come off here in, in a couple of weeks. So he probably won't, he will not be playing, if I had to guess, against uh, Tennessee. But I think there's at least an outside shot that he could be back for South Carolina and definitely by the time we play Kentucky. So I think he'll be back before long. Solomon Kinley, uh, I was nervous. And when Kinley went out, he was like cr- crying. He's a big, tough dude. He was crying. When he was coming off that field, going going in the tunnel in the cart, I was very fearful it was in a, uh, a full year that he was done for the year. But it doesn't seem like that's the case. It doesn't seem like we haven't heard any news as an ACL or anything. So I think it's a lower extremity injury, whatever that means. Uh, it seems like it might be an ankle with him too. Could be some sort of knee issue that's not an ACL. But uh, I don't know. I don't really have a prognosis on on Kinley because Kirby's going to kind of. Um, He's been kind of low-key on exactly what it is that's going down with him. But I would say probably a couple weeks. I don't expect Kinley to be playing against Tennessee. I know he wasn't really working with the ones. He wasn't out there really at all doing much contact or really anything at practice this past week. But it was a bye. We maybe giving him some rest. I don't know. I would say he's probably not going to play against Tennessee. Uh, is there anyone, who else am I missing here? I'm trying to think. Okay, injuries. We got Kinley. We got all right, D-Rob. We got Tyson. That's all I can think of off the top of my head, major injury. Oh, and Dave, David Marshall, I think he came out in that game against Notre Dame. It's a re-aggravation of Liz Frank. I don't know how, how extensive it is, but coming off the Liz Frank injury, that's really tough. And that's what Jake Bentley's out with right now for the whole year. And he got hurt about midway through last year. So you just don't know. I'm hoping for the best. I think I've talked about David Marshall before. I think he's a really undervalued player for us. I just really hope it's not a too much of a re-aggravation of that Liz Frank injury. Yeah. All right, well, which one of those players that has been dealing with an injury do we need to get healthy the quickest? I would say Tyson Campbell because I think Tyson Campbell's a young player. He needs as many reps as possible. He has a really high ceiling, and he was playing really well before the injury. I should also mention Eric Stokes. is another guy who went out of the Notre Dame game with an injury. He did come back late in that game on that final drive after we finally realized that they were targeting Tyreek McGee and we need to get a stop, so we put Eric Stokes in there. So that made me feel a little bit better in that situation, but he didn't practice much this week. It's a hyperextended knee from what I understand, but I think he should be good to go. I would really like to have at least him or Tyson Campbell out there against Tennessee. Obviously, ideally, it would be best to have both of those guys. 
But I'd like to have at least one of those guys out there because for all the struggles Tennessee's had, they actually do have a pretty good group of receivers. And uh, I just don't know if I feel comfortable with Tyree McGee being out there for a full game again against those receivers because they'll certainly target him. There's no doubt about that. But uh, I think if I had to pick one, I would definitely go, let's get Tyson Campbell back because we need, we need him to get some reps, we need him to continue to improve. We want to be as good as we want to be long term. All right, guys. Well, that's it, right? That's it? That's all for today. All right. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, guys. We always appreciate your support. Curtis and I will be back tomorrow with part two. We will record it tomorrow. Probably have it up late Monday evening, Monday night. Definitely up by Tuesday morning. So check back in for that. Got a lot more questions to answer. If you have not sent in a question or a comment yet, still have time to do so. You can hit us us up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. You can also email us directly at podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs.